morning, everyone. Good morning, good morning, and welcome back. Welcome back to the Porsche Cooled Podcast. My name is Michael Barth, and this is Owner's Stories Day. Owner's Stories number 69 today. Uh, very, very shortly, um, I will be joined by Matt. Those of you who have been here before know that all of these uh, owner stories are done through Zoom. Uh, they're done through Zoom, and uh, that's just the way I can get to to speak to all the Porsche owners around the world. Like I said, we're up to number 69. We've had a lot of great stories on the Owner Story series. If you haven't listened to all of them, I suggest you start at number one and make your way through. Um, there's some really cool stories in there and some really cool Porsches um, that people own and have owned. Um Anyway, if you want to be on uh, the Owner Story series, the best way to do that is to go over to Porsche Cooled on Instagram. That's just Porsche Cooled, one word, on Instagram. Give us a follow and you can send me a DM uh, from, from there and then I will eventually get back to you and we'll schedule a time for, for our chat, for our Porsche chat. Anyway, let's get straight into it. Let me get Matt through Zoom and let's start talking about his Porsche Cooled Owner Story. Okay, welcome back everyone. Welcome back to Owner Stories. Welcome back to Owner Stories number 69. I didn't, I don't think I mentioned it in the beginning, um, but I'm going to be joined with Matt. Matt's here at the moment and Matt's coming in from the US. He's coming in from New York. Um, I was just asking him actually how he's going with the, uh, with the snow and getting his uh, 911 out in the snow. Good evening, Matt. Thanks for coming on the podcast and thanks for coming on uh, Owner Stories. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. I'm glad you're here. I'm glad you're here. I mean, I've always liked to have fellow uh, 997 owners on on the show. Being a 997 fan myself, as you know, I have a 997.1. I think the same year as yours. Yours is a 06, you said, yeah? Correct, yes. Fantastic. It's been great. It's been so much fun having it. I'm really, really excited. And it's just been a really great experience so far. Yeah, it's a great, it really is a great community, isn't it? It's not until you own a 911, and we'll get into that. It's not until you actually own a 911 until you actually realize how great it is and how supportive i guess supportive and and you know passionate the community is more so than other marks i think more so than other car brands but let's start listeners always like us to start at the at the beginning and we always like mm-hmm. to start where it all started um and a lot of people with porsche you know a lot of people get into it later in life for obvious reasons you know priorities and money and all those sort of things but we always have some memories of cars along the way when we're a kid um what are your first sort of memories of, of noticing Porsche? Was it something that just happened later in life or do you remember it as a kid or growing up? No, absolutely. Just kind of throughout my whole life, I've always been really into cars growing up, even as a young kid. Um, and especially Porsche, Ferrari, Lamborghini. My first really recollection was my dentist in my town had a Porsche 911. Um, it was a 964. And I just remember whenever he would leave it outside, I would just sit there and just in awe and just like totally just go crazy every time he had it out. It was a black with the whale tail too. So Loved it so much. Yeah, the whale tail is always that thing we remember, isn't it? That's that's the iconic, <laughs> yes. that iconic whale tail. We might not know what it's called, but we always remember the <laughs> the tail, that's for sure. I always remember seeing the, um, I think the first one I saw was like an oak green. I saw an oak green one in Sydney years when I first very, when I first moved to Sydney a long time ago. Um, and I remember this oak green with tan interior with the whale tail. It was a fantastic looking car. Yeah, absolutely. It never, it never leaves your mind. Yeah. So what about the car journey, though? Because you live in New York now. Have you always, you haven't, I'm guessing you haven't always, have you always lived in New York? No, I grew up in New Jersey. Um, So I grew up right outside of New York, about 45 minutes away. So growing up, no, I never had a sports car or anything. Not until later in life was I able to afford one for one, but uh, I feel like it was really kind of the right time to get one. So living in New Jersey, did you find the need um, to have a car? I mean, it's close to New York. There's more space in New Jersey. I've been through New Jersey. Yeah. I haven't seen a lot of it, but I've been through it. Yeah, so New Jersey totally needed a car, absolutely. So what sort of cars did you own when you were when you were growing up? Was there something memorable that you remember today or something that you know you got rid of that you wish you would have kept? Is there a car there <laughs> that sticks in your mind? Unfortunately, nothing too crazy. So I grew up, um, first car, I'd always get hand-me-down cars from my parents. So my dad gave me his 88 Corolla, which he bought brand new. By the time I got it, it had 250,000 miles on it. And Essentially, it was just like, I just wanted to destroy the car because I hated it. I didn't want it. But unfortunately, I didn't have any money when you're 17 years old. So you put up with it, you deal with it. So I had that car until eventually it broke down with like 300,000 miles on it. But the thing was just rock solid. Um, the first memorable car I had was a, a Nissan Maxima. And that was just the first car I ever had that had some speed to it. So it gave me right. that little case that I was looking for. 
A Nissan Maxima, that's like a, it's like almost like a Nissan limousine, isn't it? Isn't it like a, it's a large, <laughs> it's a larger car, right? It was quite upmarket, wasn't it? The Maxima? Exactly. It was a sedan. Um, so it was a bigger car, but it still had, it had like 205 horsepower and this was like 1997 I had it. So at that point it felt fast. So it was like the first car I really had that had some speed. Right. So you're in New Jersey. So mm-hmm. then you moved to New York. You're living in New York. Do you own any new cars? When you, do you own any cars while you're living in New York before the Porsche came along? No. So in my process, right before I moved to New York, I had a Honda Accord, and that, the only fun thing about that car was that it was a stick shift. Um, but so I had that, and then right when I moved into New York, I just never drove the car anymore. So I actually didn't have a car for about five years. Yeah, and you know, like in Sydney here, I live. You know, our, our place in Sydney is in the inner city, and it's like it's not as busy as New York. It's not as crazy mm-hmm. as New York with traffic and roads and whatever. And it's mm-hmm. you know, it's it's easy to own a car in a city if you have the right place to park, if you have you know the space. Uh, if you feel comfortable with your car. Um, so I want to go back to that decision that you made. Let's get into the Porsche story. But mm-hmm. the decision you made that, you know, a year ago or a year or so ago, you you decided that, okay, I want to get a sports car. I deserve a sports car. I want to get a sports car. We all have our reasons. What was the reason why you – what was the reason that, that you justified to yourself that you wanted a 911? And then so – the- and how yes. did you go about finding it? And was, was, the, was the 997 what you were looking for or was it something else? So the biggest reason is when during COVID hit, we were still in the city and it just got so crazy here. We just kind of needed to get out. My wife is from California. So we actually ended up going to California and staying with her mom for almost four months. So during that time, my wife had um, her car from when she was a kid, which is an older BMW. Essentially, it just wasn't running well. So okay. it kind of broke down and we didn't have a car at the time. So we started using Turo, which I'm not sure if you're familiar with. Yes. So we started using that to rent cars, essentially. So during the process, I saw this beautiful 991 in bright yellow. And I was like, oh, let's check it out. So I rented it. Next thing I know, I have it for two weeks. And I can't get rid of this car. I'm, I'm just like in <laughs> love with this car. Yeah. So we have it for there. And then we end up going back to New York. So now we're back in New York. We're still stuck in the apartment. I'm like, oh, this is so boring. We need to do something. So I'm still just like fiending over the last car we had. I'm like, listen, we need to go find a car. So that's where the search began. So that's what made me start looking for cars. So originally I was looking for a 991 actually. Okay. Okay. So you start looking, you've had the 991 through Turo. 991's Mm -hmm. a little bit newer. Um, Great color in the yellow. Great color. Yeah. So do you, so you start looking for 991s, Matt? Is that what you start looking for? Is the the price a, a barrier there or is there just not that many available? It was just, it was, the price was like, I didn't want to go too crazy, but I didn't want to go brand new because I was, it's in, I'm in the city and it, I knew the car was just going to get beat up being here. Yeah. So I wanted something that I could drive and enjoy and not worry about too, too much. So first looking at 991s and then it started looking at 997s as well. Um, and then I, I test drove the 997 first and it was a much more raw experience and a much more kind of exhilarating experience than the 991 was. So that's what kind of started directing me more towards the 997. I guess that's good then that you had the car from Turo, you had the 991, because mm-hmm. you had something to base it on, didn't you? So you're not going in blind, um, your first 911, so you mm-hmm. know that you know what the 991 feels like, uh, and a lot of people prefer the 997 over the 991, we've heard that before, nothing bad against people that own 991s, wow. but no, it's, we, a beautiful car. Always, it's a different car, right? It's a different, different mm-hmm. generation, and quite a big difference in the generation from a 997 to a 991, actually. So you start looking... Are there many cars for sale in in New York, or do you have to look further afield? Uh, so I, same thing. There's in the city. It's just kind of like sporadic. You'll see certain people. Like I saw one in Brooklyn, um, but then it was mostly more uh, like northern New York, and then mostly in Jersey as well. So it was kind of like I was trying to keep it more in like the tri-state area because I didn't want to go too far because I don't have a car. So yeah. it was kind of me taking trains and buses to get to these like uh, test <laughs> right. drives. Okay. So what are your search criteria then? Are you searching for a Carrera? Are you searching for an S? Are you searching for a GTS? Is there a, is there a certain criteria that you put in when you start searching for these cars? I, always, I knew I wanted the S because I want the power. So I wanted a little bump in power. So I was at least looking for an S. So that was pretty much my bottom line t- uh, criteria. Okay. G- a GTS would have been great too, but they're just, they're just so hard to find. Yeah. So And then, I'm sorry, go ahead. And what about the transmission? Are you looking for manual, looking for PDK? What, what's, the, what's the criteria there? So I always wanted a manual. The one I had in California was actually a PDK, and it was awesome. It was really, it was really fun. But I really liked the experience of a manual. Okay, so 
How long does it take you? This is the start of COVID. This is the start of what, 2020? How long mm-hmm. does it take you to find the right car? Uh, about four weeks. Four weeks. And so where did you find the car? Tell the listeners how you found the car and where it was located. So the first one I, I test drove was in Brooklyn, and that was an owner's car. So that was a private owner. It was a great car. It was a point two actually. Um, but it was kind of a bare bones car. It didn't really have anything that I was looking for um, in terms of like uh, comforts. Like I really wanted the sport seats. I wanted the sport chrono. Um, that was pretty much my two biggest things that I really wanted. Um, and this had neither one. So that was like, okay, it was a good starter car to check out. Um, and then same day, I was looking online and then saying I found this car and it was at a dealership in Brooklyn. And I was kind of skeptical because it was at like a Mitsubishi dealership in Brooklyn. Okay. And I'm like, this is already a bad start. Yeah. But I'm like, all right, let me go check out the car because it's an easy train ride to get to. Because that was like the biggest thing. It was like easy to get to. Yeah. So I, I go check it out and it's my current car and it was, it was beautiful. It had, it's fully optioned out. It has everything you could want in it. Uh, sports seats, sport chrono. Um, it had the sport exhaust on it. Uh, extended leather so everything was really just perfect and top notch on it the car was completely clean two owner car it had full service history um, so I was like alright this is really good test drove it test drive went great the only issue was the test drive like I'm, I'm driving around Brooklyn so I'm like right. is there anywhere I can go and open up the car they're like no you can just drive down this avenue and like oh, give really? it gas I'm like yeah it's like, oh. so, so they won't let the you test- go further out where could where could you have tested it though outside of Brooklyn is it's it not really anywhere the only place I could have gone is like the BQE or just like Cross Bronx Expressway or something like that right, and like right. even there you can't really open up because it's usually a very high high traffic area that makes it difficult doesn't it so you don't really know yeah. until you actually buy the car and you go on a long drive what it's really like but we'll get into that we'll get into that that story mm-hmm. as well so sometimes, though, I think I've spoken about it on the podcast and with other owners, sometimes when you find a Porsche in a Mitsubishi dealer or even a Mercedes-Benz dealer or something like that, sometimes it's a better car. Like it's, it's a car in that the dealer wants to get rid of, you know what I mean? Especially if it's a Porsche in a Merc dealer. They want to get rid mm-hmm. of it. And, you know, sometimes the price is better and sometimes, you know, that you can make a better deal. Did you, were you able to do a better deal because it was at this Mitsubishi dealer or were they still pretty firm on the price and everything like that? Kind of exactly like you're saying, they just want to get rid of the car because they're just like, this car doesn't kind of fit into what we're trying to sell. So yeah. they kind of want, just want to get rid of it. The only issue was they already had like two people. The car, I think it was there for like three days. And in three days, there were two people ready to kind of jump at it. So I didn't really get that much of a discount on it, but I still already got a really good deal considering that it was COVID time and not too many people were really buying cars at the time. Yeah. And I guess that's, that's the good side of it, isn't it? Is that mm-hmm. during 2020... Um, beginning of 2020, especially people were selling cars. People didn't really start going crazy on all these auction sites and buying classic cars and the Porsche value of 997s, 996s didn't really, well, to my knowledge, it didn't really move up, Matt, until probably, you know, the latter half of the year, the latter half of 2020. So actually mm-hmm. the beginning of 2020, and I've had a few, I've had a few people on owner stories recently, actually, who have actually bought Porsches at that time. And they've actually gained from it. They've actually gained not just from owning the car and enjoying the car. They've gained in value way, value ways because the value has actually increased significantly since since 2020. Um, so that's that's a good side of it as well that you've been enjoying the car, but you've also got that that value, that peace of mind that your money is still still there. Yeah, absolutely. So let's just let's just go back to that. Let's just tell let's just tell the listeners exactly what you bought because we kind of you kind of went through the options then. But you bought a. Just tell them exactly what it was. It was a 06, right? Correct. 06 uh, 997.1 Carrera S. And what wheels does it have on it, your wheels? Are they the Carrera Classic wheels? Is that what they're called? Yeah, so it's like the five-star big ones. Yeah, they're a nice wheel, though. They're, they're, they're a good wheel on the 997. I'm just going to let everyone know while we're talking so they can have a look at your car because you've got some great images on your, um, on your Instagram. Um, and oh, you can see. You. I can see that you take a lot of pictures of your car and you'll take a lot of pictures of your wife and your dog. Not many, pictures <laughs> yes. of you, not many pictures of you with your car there, Matt. I've noticed that. That's a trend, I think. That's a trend <laughs> on your Instagram. Um, so Matt's Instagram is Anomaly Matt. Anomaly Matt, A-N-O-M-O-L-Y, Matt. Um, and that's on Instagram. So go over there, give Matt a follow and tell him you heard his story on Owner Stories. Um, <laughs> and you'll see where he drives his car and you'll see uh, all the great images that he has there too. So... You're at the Mitsubishi dealer. You do the deal. Um, you make a quick decision. You, 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 you talk to your wife about it. You make the decision pretty quickly. Yeah, she was right with us. So, yeah, she came for the test drive. But the other good thing is that we knew the dog could fit back in the car. So that was the other big criteria <laughs> of us getting this car is making sure he could fit in. 
Uh, but yeah, right then and there, I knew the car was well. So we just had to get the uh, PPI on it, and then I was pretty much set to go at that point. So when you got the PPI, I'm glad you hear you got a PPI. I'm a big fan of yep. the PPIs, as you know. Mm-hmm. So when you got the PPI, what what showed up that concerned you? I mean, we know the list of PPI. The list on a PPI is always a little bit longer than we're sort of you know. It, it kind of does surprise us at first. A lot of things aren't that important to get fixed straight away. Was there anything on there that you thought, oh, that's, that's a flag, I better get that fixed straight away, or can I do a better deal? What, what came up? The only biggest thing was the water pump. So I had to change out the water pump just because it was kind of past due on its service. Right. Um, so I did that right away. That was the biggest thing I did. Um, and the other thing, that was pretty much it. The other thing was just kind of cosmetic stuff. I had a couple scratches on it, and otherwise it was a really clean car. Is the water pump an expensive fix for a 997? I don't think I've had that uh, done on mine. I think mine's been okay from memory. I did the water pump. I did the thermostat. So I think all in it ended up being around like twenty three or twenty four hundred. Okay, so a reasonable a reasonable cost. I think the water pump yeah. is a, a common maintenance failure thing on the nine nine seven and nine nine six, isn't it? I think I've seen that. Come yeah, up. correct. Yeah. yeah, that's what I was. I, just, I heard as well. All right, so you 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 buy this car, you pick it up. How is the feeling? How is that feeling when you're in your your first Porsche? And you're driving it back to and you're driving it back to Manhattan. It was very surreal. It was. It took a while to like really think. This is my car now. Like this, is, we actually did this. This is our car. It was so sporadic. Like we just went there. We bought it. Half the reason too is like, all right, now we don't have to take a train back home. This is awesome. Now we can drive back home. This is great. <laughs> so we're driving back home. Like I said, we're driving over the bridge. We're driving into Manhattan. It's just like this is an unreal experience. Um, and then the first night we got it, I'm like, oh, I'm just going to street park it. It won't be a big deal. And that was just a complete nightmare. The whole night I was just sit there, just like stressing out about the car. So that lasted one night. Really? Yeah, I think I saw that image on your Instagram actually, mm-hmm. in, in front of that older type building near the bridge there, right? There's a picture of exactly. your car. Yeah, I saw mm-hmm. that picture just before we came on. And I was going to ask you that because I, I could not, I mean, being having been to New York quite a few times and, and my wife's sister lives in New York and... Mm-hmm. I could not park my car on the street in New York. <laughs> I just, I think I'd have to sit there with it, Matt. I'd have to sit outside and watch it. You know what I mean? Or I'd be going and checking on it every, every hour or so. Oh, it's, you- it's a nightmare. We, we walk by, so I walk the dog all the time and just the stuff you'll see. We saw a Cayenne that someone must have threw something out of their window. So there's just this metal, like, I don't think a TV stand just in, on top of their car. What? And I'm like, I'm like, thank God I don't street park. Like, I just don't want to deal with this stuff ever. So how did, how did you do that then? So you park it, <clears throat> the first night you get the car, you pick it up, it's your brand new car, mm-hmm. it's in great condition, you park it on the street, so mm-hmm. then you go about finding the right garage to park it in, is there, is there, is there a good and bad garages in New York? How do you go about finding the right place to, to keep your, your new 911? So this is how you find out, it's just trial and error. So yeah, the first night I was str- too stressed out and I was like, I can't, I can't live like this. So we go look for parking garages. So luckily there's apps that you can download that kind of tell you the prices of every garage in your area. Okay. So... First thing I did, I tried to find a moderately, you know, priced garage. Because some of the prices, it's like $1,200 a month for a parking garage. And you're wow. just like, it's insane. Yeah. So I tried to find one kind of kind of on the cheaper end. So the first first one was kind of more on the cheaper end of the garages. They did a terrible job. They just didn't care. They scratched up my car all the time. They would literally park it on top of the car behind me. So the bumper was touching my bumper. So it was just unacceptable for the price that I was paying for it. So I went to another garage, same issue. Then I just kept paying more and more, which is ridiculous. And now I'm at a garage where they actually take care of my car. These are under these are undercover garages, right? They're not like stacker type garages where they're outside. They're actually undercover. Yeah, correct. And they're all valet. So you don't park the car yourself. You give it to the attendant. The attendant parks your car. So, so generally, these guys, unfortunately, don't really care that much. So they don't really treat your car with much care. So do you get to see where your car's parked though? Or you just, they just, you give, they go and get your car and they bring it out to you and you don't even know where it's been parked and you just see the new scratches on the side or on the bumpers or whatever. So this is the other racket they do. So you pay for the, just kind of just like you said, they'll just move your car in and out or you could pay a more expensive fee and they'll keep your car in a single spot that they don't move. So that's what I do now. I pay for having my car in a certain spot that they never move it. Oh, okay. That's good. That's good. But that's obviously a lot more expensive, right? So you have to add that to the cost of ownership. Correct. So you've had the car for, you've had the car, what, one year almost? How is, how is like a, getting onto a year? So how is the, yeah. um, how's the reliability been on the 997? Because a lot of listeners who listen to the podcast, they're, they're looking, you know, there's a lot of people who own Porsches already, but there's a lot of people who are looking for 997s, 996s. How have you found the, the first year of ownership and the, and the upkeep and the maintenance side of it. Has anything come up in the car that you've sort of been a little bit concerned about? 
No, luckily, uh, besides the uh, changing the water pump, I just, you know, I changed the oil. I changed the tires after uh, having it for six months just because they said that the back ends were getting worn out. So I just changed all four. Um, then I got winter tires for it. And besides that, the maintenance has been relatively low. I just I bring it into the service about every three months just to make sure everything's looking good. Otherwise, it's been bulletproof for me. I drive it two, three times a week. I've put 20,000 miles on it in a year. So wow. we drive it all the time. And it's it's really been great for us so let's talk about let's talk about that how you use your car you bought the car because of covid you bought the car because you wanted to get out of the city i mean a lot of people during covid you know when i was in london not not long ago people were buying houses in the country you know to get out of Mm -hmm. central london Uh, a lot of people don't have balconies they don't have any back gardens or yards or or land to sort of enjoy it so you get the car the car is is the is the means to get away from the city so what do you add to the car to make those journeys more mem- more easier for you? I noticed, did you have a roof box as well or you don't have a roof box? No, I do not. That's one thing my wife actually wants to get. <laughs> um, she thinks it looks cool. She loves Lorenzo's. So yeah. she's like, oh, Lorenzo's looks really cool. We should think about getting one. Uh, so that might be in the future, but I'm not sure yet. I just, yeah. So the listeners know um, Matt's a friend of Lorenzo. Lorenzo was on mm-hmm. Owner Stories. I can't remember the number actually. Sorry, Lorenzo. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lorenzo is at, at uh, Porsche Life underscore New York City, and Lorenzo has the uh, the roof box, the Yakima, I think, from memory, Yakima roof box. I believe um, so. Yeah, yeah. So that's uh, something I'm always looking at as well. <laughs> Someone said to me the other day, though, they said, what do you need the roof box for? And I said, I don't know. I mean, I have to do longer journeys, you know what I mean? Like a, a, a guy that I – another um, owner that I talked to in Sydney who's got a 997 – he just got the racks, and he's looking for a, a box as well. Um, so mm-hmm. I think you start with the you start with the Porsche raff, the Porsche roof racks, and then you go from there, and then you get inspired. I think. But for you, for you, I think it actually works really well because I'm looking at your Instagram. These drives that you go on, you you drive your car a lot. You said to me you drove your car just on uh, on Sunday, right? Yeah, yeah. And, we took it out in the snow and just kind of see how it held held up with the uh, winter tires on. So what sort of tires do you put on the car then for other listeners? What sort of winter tires? What are the ones that you would suggest that have worked well on the 997? So the, the only ones I've used so far, I got the Pirelli Skoto Zeros, um, and they've been awesome so far. It makes a really big difference, even without the snow, because even my summer tires last year driving in the winter, just even when it got cold out, you could just feel that they just were really hard, really rock, rock solid, and just wouldn't really get that warm. Right, right. But do you have a, se- a second set of wheels or you just put them on your, your Carrera rims? No, as of now, I just, I'm switching out. I'm, I'm saving up. I want to get the BBSs right now. So I'm in the process of kind of figuring out which ones I want to get. <laughs> okay. The very expensive BBSs. It's hard not to love them. <laughs> they're very, they're very <laughs> cool wheel. They're very cool wheel, but yeah. they really are expensive. For what the- yeah, it's kind of crazy. Yeah, yeah. That'd be cool. So what else, what else have you added to the car then? Have you added any other mods to the car? Is your, actually yeah. the exhaust, the exhaust. We always like talking about the sound of the, of the mm-hmm. 997. Does it have the, the sports exhaust? So I had the, the original sport exhaust. I got rid of it and I got the sole performance exhaust. Okay. So tell me about the sole performance exhaust because I'm not, I'm not a huge fan of sole performance. I think the sound is not Porsche enough. And you had the, if you had the PSC on it originally and you've changed the sole, how's, mm-hmm. how would you say the sound is compared to the original? I think it feels a little bit more raw. Like, not that the, the original one wasn't bad by any means. This one, it's, I like it that it's valved, so I can keep it a little bit more quiet. It still has, like, that nice raw sound, and then otherwise it can make it really loud, and then it gives me just that little bit more kind of hard feeling when I'm driving the car. So how does it sound compared to the PSC, though? Is it is it deeper? Is it is it higher? Is it racier? How does the sound I, differ? I, yeah, I'd say deeper and more racier. It's just kind of like a more, I guess, like more of like a grunty sound. Right, and in that they connect that up to the. So you had the the switchable uh, exhaust in your nine nine eleven before, so they just connected mm-hmm. up to the same switch. So it's actually you have this little um, almost like remote control that you could uh, switch the valve on and off. Oh right, so it's got the valve. Mm-hmm. But but you have the sports exhaust button on your on your console. Correct, um, but I no, I don't have the sport exhaust. I just have okay. the um, the PCM or PSM. Oh okay okay. So you got the sole performance. What else? Have you added anything else? You, so you're going to get a second set of wheels. Yeah, I want to get the wheels. I've uh, put, uh, I did a short shifter. Um, I, did, I changed up the uh, DRLs. I kind of put the, the LED DRLs on there. I put LED taillights on it. Um, so I just kind of... Um, Sorry, Matt. How did they on. work? Did you have any errors with those, with the changing it over to LEDs? 
I did actually. So yeah, um, I did it originally. And then for some reason, it eventually just got the error. So when I brought it into my shop, they kind of fixed the error for me. And it was actually what it was, is just a loose um, wire connection. Right. Is there, a, is there a particular brand of LEDs that is better for the 997? How did you research that? Did you go onto Renlist or did you just go to your shop and ask them? How did you find the right? Because I know this is really quite a tricky one for people. Exhaust, working mm-hmm. out the exhaust, you've got the sole performance. Mm-hmm. And also working out changing over to LED lights. Now, with my 997, I changed the rear, I changed some bulbs out to LEDs. And then I got mm-hmm. errors and then my brake lights weren't working. So I had errors with that because it's something to do with the, I don't know, the power or whatever of the, of the globe. So I just removed them. So mm-hmm. how do you find out what is the best uh, LED to, to switch it out if you want to upgrade the look of your 997? So I see, like I said, I went on Redlist. I also just looked on like tons of YouTube videos of just people who were installing them and just see which kind of looked the best and who didn't have errors or who didn't have issues with them kind of a long period of time. Is there a particular brand then? What is the brand? Uh, so the I forget the front DRLs. I can't even remember. And then the back ones were Depot, like D-E-P-O. Okay. Okay. And you like the look of them better than the, the stock? I, so I've always loved the stock look too. I just like how these ones kind of modernize it a little bit. Uh, they, at nighttime, I think it's like a huge difference with the back uh, LED lights. I think it looks really cool at night. During the day, I think I just, I like them kind of similar in terms of the older and the newer ones. Yeah. I always find the main, the main issue with my 997 is the front headlights are just not, they're just not bright enough because I've got yeah. the standard lights and they're just way not bright enough. I have, I have got a couple of globes that I purchased brighter, mm-hmm. newer globes, which I'll switch out. But I know with the rear lights, with the rear LEDs, I know Steve had them on his GT3. He changed them onto his 997 GT3. And -hmm. I think he had had an issue with them as well. There was some kind of error with them as well. And he switched back to the the originals. I do like the look of the originals, I have to say. I do like the look of the... uh, I've got. I'm on this bit of an original kick at the moment with the 997, (laughs) but I do like the original uh, the original um, rear lights. That's for sure. Let's see. I go back and forth. Yeah, I know it's hard, isn't it? It's hard. I was I was only talking to Steve the other day. The podcast that's coming up on on Friday this week. That I just every time I add something to my nine eleven, like even the shift knob, I always think, am I am I ruining it? Am I destroying the, <laughs> the originality? Am I you know changing it too much? And it's such a simple thing, and it's so so reversible. It's a crazy way to think, but it's always in your mind that you know you're doing you're doing too much. You know what I mean? But then it's at the same time it's fun. You're making it kind of your own because I'm the same way. I have a carbon shift. Uh, knob that came with it but okay. it's kind of flimsy and i'm always thinking about to change it out for like that heavy aluminum one or they even have like a kind of heavier carbon one so same thing i'm like how are you am i doing too much am i going overboard yeah yeah well i as you may know i don't know if you heard, listen to the other episodes but i've got the Lathworks knob which is a great product you know Lathworks yes. um, mm-hmm. in the u.s and it's a great product and i i fitted it on the weekend and, you know, it, it definitely feels better with the extra weight. When you take your old mm-hmm. knob off, you realize how light your original knob is on the 997. It's very, it's just plastic. Um, yeah. So the, the leather works feels a lot better. But when you think about the original, the original shape to me is a better shape. It's not like circular. It's a better shape. The bit of leather on the original one has a bit more grip. The, the leather mm-hmm. works is a little bit slippery. Um, but there's a product now that you can actually get, which is called, uh, which is on Renlist. I don't know whether you've noticed it. It's called heavy knobs and you can actually put the weight in your shifter. You just take the top of your shifter off and it's just little weights that fit into the, into the shifter. So it just gives it that extra bit of weight, which apparently by all accounts works pretty well. Oh, very cool. I got to check that out. So you can keep the original. Yeah. You can keep the original. <laughs> so what about the, so you got the dog, you've got your dog. I see the pictures on Instagram. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Do you have the back seats down? How do you do that when you've got a pet in the car? How does, how does your dog get into the car? And what about the back seats? Because I always like having my back seats flat. Is that where your dog mm-hmm. lies on the back, top of the back seats? So he's too big. He's about 70 pounds. So I tried that and originally he, he didn't like it. So luckily my dad's an engineer. Oh, okay. So he actually destroyed a couch for me because he loves the dog so much. And rigged it so now that it's flat, so so the hump isn't there. So now he has this leather couch he lays on, and it's <laughs> nice and flat. So he gets to sprawl across the whole back of the the back of the car. Oh, fantastic, fantastic! Mm-hmm. So when do you? So when you go for your drives, when you're getting out of New York, do you take it? Where do you take it to? Where are you going on these drives? We'll come up to the main your favorite drives, but where do you take the car out to? Do you take it on long drives away from New York, or you take it just sort of reasonably local? Yeah, so we've gone to South Carolina with it. We've gone to the Finger Lakes. We've gone to like Lancaster, Pennsylvania. So we've gone like, I think the longest drive so far is like seven hours. 
Because 20,000 miles in a year is, is really enjoying your 911. That's, you're not worried about miles at all then. You're not worried about that sort of cost. You just want to enjoy the car. No, no, I plan to keep the car forever. So the goal is to just keep getting more Porsche, Porsches eventually. But yeah, I want to keep this one as long as I can. You don't worry about, what about the, the maintenance of the car? We go back to the maintenance of the car, the bodywork of mm-hmm. the car. Because you're driving it in all types of weather. You're parking it in garages. Do you think mm-hmm. that you need to get, you know, detailing done on it regularly? Do you, does it have a, a PPF layer? Do you have PPF protection on your car? Do you think about those sort of things, living in New York and driving the car so often? Yeah, so that's the other thing. Like right now, it's, 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 it still looks really clean. I, just, I get it cleaned all the time. I get it detailed like once a month. Um, and I haven't PPF yet, so that's kind of the next step. I want to get uh, the paint correction. I want to get all the scratches done out and then get the whole car PPF, as, at, least, at least as much as the car as I can, kind of preserve as much of the paint as I can, because every, every time I pick up the car, I see another scratch, another little dent. So I'm like, ah, like, what am I going to do to kind of prevent this? So do you get the dents removed like on a regular basis? Like they have those dent removal places that sort of can take them out without sort of destroying the, the paintwork or you just sort of leave them till you'll do it eventually when that's sort of, you know, it all comes together. Uh, if they're bad, I'll get it corrected right then and there. And usually the garage will pay for it, which is the nice thing. Um, but if it's not too big of a deal, I'll kind of just leave it. But I, I, I have the car set up that there's cameras everywhere. So if something does happen, the cameras come on and they can record what's happening with the car oh, when okay. I'm on in it. Oh, okay. That's good. That's good. So you said you had a short shifter. Is that the, the short shifter in your car that came with the car or you added it to the car? Is that a Porsche no, short I added shifter? It. Is that a Porsche one? It's a numeric short shifter. Oh, you have the numeric. Mm-hmm. Okay. So did you go the full numeric? Did you get the shifter and the cables or you just went the shifter? I got the shifter and the cables. Oh, so how's that? How's it feel? Because Steve's got that in his GT3 and I've driven his GT3 once and it's very, very short. It's very, 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 very short. Is it very short in the, in the 997 Carrera S as well? Yeah, it's a significant difference from the previous shifter. It's, it's so much more tight. It's, it was, the previous one had like, not that it had a lot of play in it, but you could just kind of move it around when you were kind of, you know, in neutral. In this, it's, it's just locked in. You don't really, it doesn't move at all. So if you've got a if you've got the numeric shifter, then Matt, you don't really need to weight your knob because the shifter itself will give you the the, the nice shift. It'll give you the nice shift when you're rowing through the gears. You don't because I've read on other on other forums about you know people adding that heavy knobs thing to their shifter. If they've got the numeric, it really makes no difference because the numeric is so precise and it's so mechanical and it's such a great you know it's 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 a really good shifter apparently by all accounts. Um, you don't really need the extra weight of the knob because you've got that that mechanical feel anyway. Yeah, it makes sense. I just didn't know if just having a, even the heavier shifter make it even tighter. But yeah, it makes sense because it's such a tight shift as it is already. Yeah. So how many miles are in your car again? Uh, so 82,000 right now. 82,000 miles. Has mm-hmm. your clutch ever been changed on your car? Have you? Are you concerned? We're going to go to the, the, the classic issue that everyone brings up and we, <laughs> we should talk about it. Are you concerned about the... IMS, you have an 06, so you'd have the, the larger mm. bearing, the same as my car, mm. the, the safer engine numbers, as they call it. Yes. Um, has, has the clutch ever been changed on your car? The clutch has changed at 50,000 miles, so the clutch is still like brand new. It feels really nice. 50,000 miles, so it's about 80,000 mm. kilometers. So it's about normal normal yeah. wear then. So the person, the people mm. who have owned the car before are quite, quite uh, gentle on the car then. How many previous yes. owners has your car had? It had two previous owners. Two previous owners. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. Mm. And the, the Carrera S, I mean, I've got a base Carrera. I always keep on going on about how the base Carrera is just enough. You don't need the extra speed. <laughs> you said before that you didn't want a base Carrera. You wanted the S. You think it's worthwhile now that you've got one? Yes, and I put a tune on it too. I don't think I mentioned that. So I, I bumped up the power, I think like 20 or 25 horsepower. So I, I do, like, I, I like this, the little bump in the power. <laughs> okay. You're holding back, Matt. You've done a lot of things to your car. You've done the I know, numeric I've done so much shifter. I forget about it. <laughs> you've done the numeric shifter. <laughs> Come on. You've done the numeric shifter. You've done a tune. What tune did you add to the car? What did you do to the car? The GIAC. Okay. And tell the listeners what that actually does and, and, and the benefits of that that you found. So uh, it changes the throttle mapping, increases kind of throttle response as well, uh, bumps up the power to I think like 15 horsepower or something like that. And then I did that as long with the um, performance exhaust. So that kind of added, I think, another five horsepower. So like a total of 20 horsepower extra what I, so I normally had. Wow, so you really, you really have tweaked the car. You've got the sole performance exhaust. You've got the, the chip, the tuning. You've got the numeric. What other performance mods have you added? What about the suspension? Have you left the suspension stop? 
so yeah, that's kind of the next step uh, because uh, just because I beat it up so much in the city, I haven't kind of done the suspension yet, but it still feels really good. It doesn't feel wobbly. It doesn't feel that loose or anything like that. Um, so I haven't messed with the suspension yet, but that's kind of the next step. Because I think when I spoke to Lorenzo, I think he said, and I'm, I hope I'm correct here, it was Lorenzo, that his car mm. was quite low when he bought it. It was lowered. And he put it Correct. back to stock because he said the terrible um, size of the potholes in New York and the roads and everything, he fixed it up back to stock. Is your car lowered or is it at, at standard height? No, no. It's, it's, it, 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 we get eaten by potholes in the city. I've already <laughs> destroyed two tires in the city. Um, so, no, I leave it ever at the stock height. So it really is that bad in New York, is it? It really is really hard on your wheels. Oh, absolutely. So you've damaged the <laughs> rim? You've damaged the rim or just the tire? Luckily, not the rim, just the tire, but it, it literally exploded the tire. Like I, I hit this pothole and next thing I know, I just hear the car just like making this weird noise. My like, God, oh, that wasn't good. I pull over, the whole tire just exploded. Wow. I've never seen a tire just get that destroyed from hitting a pothole. Wow. These potholes must be enormous. Yeah, I, didn't, I, I looked down for a second and changed the radio. Next thing I know, I just hit this huge thud. Wow. Okay. So what are the normal tires you run then? What are the tires you run as summer tires? Are they the standard recommended by Porsche tires? Or if you tried something else, you, 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 is something like a cup two something you'll put on it because of the fact that you're, you're doing it for performance means, you know, you've got the numeric, you've got the, you've got the tune, you've got the sole performance exhaust in summer. When the summer comes around, are you thinking of putting a more higher performance tire on it? I have the um, Pilot Sport PS4s right now, um, and they're, I just got them last year, so I'm just going to put them back on again uh, once I get out of my winter tires. And they're a great tire, by all accounts. Oh, they're, they're, they're awesome. Yeah, because I've got the Pilot Sport 2s. I just follow what mm -hmm. uh, I follow the, you know, the old-fashioned way and just do the old the PS2s as Porsche recommends. Mm -hmm. But I think I'm tempted. I'm tempted to go with those ones because everyone says that they're very, very good. And I know Steve's got his second set. He's got them on his GT3, and he said mm -hmm. they're very, very good on his GT3 as well because he used to have Cup Twos on his GT3. So mm -hmm. I mean, it's something to look at. That's for sure. I think they're actually cheaper than the Pilot Sport Twos as well. I think the PS2s are are harder to get. I think that's why the same thing. Yes. I was going back and forth between the twos and the fours, and they said, yeah, the fours are cheaper because the twos are so hard to get. Yeah, the twos are becoming kind of rare, aren't they? I mean, they keep mm -hmm. updating them. I think mine are like. Uh, n2 class and i think they're up to n4 n5 but they are very and i noticed in australia the other day they're a lot more expensive a lot more expensive second porsche you've got your first porsche you've got your first 911 you're in the city are you tempted to get something like a a cayenne and, and max it out to an overland look or are you tempted to get an air cooled is there plans for another 997 or being in new york and living in new york and i mean you're you're a local you lived in you know you're born in new jersey you know you're a new yorker do you feel like you need another car in New York or you think one's just enough to handle? Well, as of right now, I, I mean, I'd love to get another car. It's just not feasible with like how expensive parking garages are because I'm paying like almost another car payment and a parking garage. So if it was more feasible, I would love to have another one. It would be another 911. Like at this point, it's just me, my wife and the dog. We're still not having kids yet. Eventually when we have kids, yeah, yeah. it would probably bump up to like a McCann or a Cayenne. So you go the S SUV for sure. Yeah. But even a Panamera, I would love a Panamera. I, I go back and forth between an EV because I know that's the future, but I still yeah. love combustion engines. Yeah. The Panamera is actually a good one, you know. I mean, they're, they're price-wise, they're a little bit – they've dipped a bit as well. They're not that mm -hmm. expensive. I hear that some of the models have, um, have issues, though. You've got to be really careful which model you actually purchase. And I've said it before, you know, when I lived in, when I was living in Bahrain, I mean, it was, there was a lot of Panameras there, a lot of Panameras yeah. because of the size and because of the comfort of them. Um, mm -hmm. And I actually did speak to a guy who used to work in Porsche Bahrain, who works at Auto House Hamilton here in Sydney. And I won't quote the number, but he told me how many they were selling, you know, a month of those cars. And it's just insane the amount of cars they were selling in such a small place, uh, you know, but they were... They were definitely good. I mean, they're a great-looking car. I mean, the Taycan is an evolution from that, right? So the Taycan has mm -hmm. to be on, even though it is EV, we're all sort of trying to stop and, and not go EV. But the Taycan is, it does have a certain appeal, doesn't it, when you see it on the road? It does have a certain certain stance about it and a certain, it is still a Porsche, even though it is an EV. No, they look great. I love the, I love the rims too, the launch spec rims. They just, they look so classy on the car. Yeah, the two-tone sort of colored, yeah, the expensive yeah. ones. <laughs> Like you said, we see tons of Panameras here. I think the, the, the chassis is based off the Bentley, so you, you could tell why everyone loves them. They're just a great car. The chassis is beautiful. They're soft ride. They're, 
they're excellent cars. Yeah, they are, and they're they're huge and they're big too, right? You can yeah. fit enough in them. Uh, mm-hmm. You put a roof box on the on the top, and you and you set. That's for sure. Absolutely. I'm still, I'm still, uh, you know, Cayans are uh, attractive, especially when you look at Cayans. And I don't know whether you got, did you get diesels in the US, the, the diesel Cayenne? Uh, I think back in the, in the early 2000s, they did when they first came out in like 2006, but I don't think we had them in a long time. Oh, right, right. Because they say that they're pretty good too. The 2016 mm-hmm. sort of 2015 diesels are very, very good. Yeah. But if you were looking for another 911, which one would you buy? Would you go air-cooled or would you go more modern? Would you would you put your your funds aside, um, work hard and get a 992, or would you would you go backwards in time and get a get a long a long hood or a GC G body or something like that? See, I always go back and forth. My wife loves the Targa, so she loves the 992, 991 Targas. Yeah. So I'd probably try to lean towards that for her because she loves the manual, but it's a, it's hard to drive the manual in the city. So she only drives it when we get out of the city and she loves to drive it so much. So it'd be nice to get her like a PDK, like 991 or 992 Targa. Very nice. Very nice. But your wife finds the car quite easy to, to drive with the, uh, with the numeric because the numeric kind of does it, does it make it harder to drive or easier to drive, you think? Because I found on Steve's ah. car, it was a little bit harder to get, it's hard to get used to the numeric. No, I agree. So I, I say it's, it's definitely a harder shift. Like you have to put more effort into the shift. But once you get used to it, it's, it's, it's beautiful. But like I said, I, when I first got used to it, it was hard kind of going, I'll say from, from uh, fourth to fifth, it was definitely like a weird toss. Yeah. But then once you kind of get used to it, it was a lot better. But she's gotten used to it too, the more she drives it. It's a little bit hard to know what gear you're in when it's so short. That's what I find. Because you yeah. always sort of, not that you look down at your shifter when you're shifting, but you, you know the position where the, where the knob is and you kind of have the idea of where it is. And if it's really short, you never really know where you are. You know, that's the problem. You never know really where you are. And I think it just takes time to get used to it. Let's go back to the 997. Because you said, you know, you had that 991 for, from Toro, from the car rental place. Mm-hmm. You had the yellow 991. Then you go into, you know, you wanted to buy a 997 because it gave you that comparison. Why do you think, why do you think the 997 is becoming so sought after? Why do you think now owning it for a year, Matt, why do you think it is becoming very, very sought after? I think one, the size, it's just the perfect size of the car. Like not that the 991 is big, but in the city, it's nice to have such a compact car. Also, it's a timeless design. It looks beautiful forever. Just like most 911s, they're always going to look great. Um, it's, I feel like it's reliable. I've never had any issues with it. I know there's the bore scoring issue, the IMS issue, but I feel like if you constantly are driving the car, taking care of the car, getting it serviced, it's not that big of a deal. Um, and also, like, people are just loving the more raw nature of the car opposed to the newer ones that they're just, you know, getting a little bit more computer generated with everything. I like the fact that I still have analog uh, gauges. I, I drove a 992, and it's, everything's just so futuristic. It looks super cool. <laughs> Yeah. But it's hard to kind of see everything when you're driving. You're looking for this button or you're looking for that. And everything's kind of touch, touch this or touch that. So it's nice when you're driving the 997, you just, you just focus on driving. There's nothing to worry about. Yeah, I agree. I think, look, I think Porsche's done a great job with the 992. I think it, you know, it has that 70s, modern sort of 70s look the way they've done it, even though it's all, you know, all modern. Um, but there's, That's beautiful. You can't, you can't beat the, the, the five gauges, the 997, the analog gauges mm. and everything, you know, that's just every time you get into the car, don't you think every time you get in there and you see that, it kind of jolts you and you realize, you know, I'm driving a 911. It's not even the, the Porsche badge on your steering wheel. It's the gauges. It's the oh, gauges. Totally. It's the gauges and seeing the front of your car, seeing the front of your car and seeing that view out the back, which just gives you that feeling that you just know, you know, this is, this is pretty cool. This is a lot of history here and it's, it's, it's very cool car to drive. Speaking of drives, you drive a lot. Let's get onto the drives and let's talk about if someone's coming to if someone's coming to New York, they can't drive in New York because the potholes are crazy. But if they're coming <laughs> to New York and you've got plenty of drives that you've done on that you've put on your, that you've done in your car, you've done twenty thousand miles. Where would you say what's a great drive to, to do in your nine eleven or in your sports car or to get a to get a rental and, and take it out and just really enjoy it? Everyone, the big ones, everyone's always going to say is Bear Mountain, uh, Seven Lakes Drive. There's another one, Hawks Nest Highway, which is a really cool, twisty road, but it's, it's kind of short. I, f- I found the most, most of my really, really great drives have been more down south or been more going up north towards um, kind of Canada area. But, I mean, they're all beautiful drives. Every time you take the car out, it's an experience. Every time I, I start the engine, like you said, I just get so happy and so excited I get to drive the car. But going to South Carolina, we're driving the car for that long, really kind of opened my eyes to what the car is capable of and what you really do experience having a 911 every day. Because 
in the city, I only get to drive it like twice a week. You don't, I don't even get to see the car during the week because it's in my parking garage, so I don't even get to look at it. <laughs> yeah. So it's so nice to look out the window and, oh, there's the car. Like, and it's so it. nice. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. yeah, it's so nice. So to have it, like, we were gone for like two weeks. So we just drove it everywhere for two weeks. And it was, it was such a cool experience. So how, how, how many miles was that drive? You went down to uh, South Carolina. South Carolina, yeah. So we ended up going all the way. We stopped at Charleston, then we went to Myrtle Beach, then we went to a couple of areas or just around that area. So it was um, six, 800 miles each way. Wow, that's a great drive. So you really, mm-hmm. you really got used to the 911. You really got used to driving it and, and, and pushing it to its limits, I bet, as well, Matt. Totally. And then we took a trip to Watkins Glen and uh, went on the racetrack there. And that's when I really realized that like, I'm not that great of a driver. I need much, much more time behind the wheel and really hone my skills and get really like push the car to its actual limits. Oh, so how did that come about? You just you were just near the racetrack and you could just go into a track day? Yeah, yeah. So we were uh, we went to um, Finger Lakes and Finger Lakes is right where Watkins Glen is. So I was like, oh, we have to go to the racetrack. Right. So we go there, we pull up and I'm like, oh, can I just go on the track? And the guy's like, you can't really just go drive there, but you can go on this thing called uh, Drive the Glen where you go in with a whole bunch of other cars and you're supposed to go kind of slow and it really bring you around like three laps of the track. Okay. So I'm like, all right, let's do this. So my whole idea was we'll go all the way in the back. We'll let everyone go really far ahead of us. And then I'll just go as fast as I can until I catch up to everyone. And we did that for three laps. No one said anything to me. I pushed it like 130 on the straightaway. It was super fun. How are your schools though? How are you breaking so that's points? A, um, awful, awful. <laughs> I go in the straightaway and I didn't even realize it just goes to a complete like straight right. And I'm with, going really fast, really fast. And all of a sudden, I see this right. And I slam on the brakes, like right. skid out. And I'm like, all right, <laughs> really? I'm, I really need to learn this track before I just start going like full out. But it was, it was a great experience. Sorry, what was the top speed? Like 126 down the straightaway. That's pretty fast. It was cruising. That's fast. That's fast. And it, it sounded good. Everything was good. Everything was intact. Yeah, I had, the, I had the exhaust. I had the tune. So it felt really nice. Fantastic. Fantastic. Oh, that'd be a great, that'd be a great thing to test. And you had the numeric at that point. Yep. I just got it like the weekend prior to going on the trip. So that's when I really got to kind of learn shift and really understand that having that short shift makes such a big difference. Yeah. That would have made a huge difference. You would have noticed it straight away, straight away. Oh, huge. Yeah. Definitely. What about the, okay. That's a question then. What about the sound of the, I'm interested with the sole performance exhaust because everyone keeps telling me how great they are. How is the sound when you're at those speeds, when you're on the track? Because the exhaust would have sound completely different, right, to just driving it around the road. How, it's how loud. Is it? It's too loud or is it okay? I love it. So I don't think it's too loud at all. Like, you know, I'm, I, I love loud cars. Not like excessively loud, but if it's a nice noise, like I want to hear it. So it's when you open it up, it sounds like you're in a race car. To me, it does. I feel like it sounds like an old cup car. Fantastic. So that sounds like a great trip. So that, that, that was one of the best trips you've done in the car? Yeah, that one and then the one in South Carolina. Uh, we just, we've done so many places. Uh, my wife's sister was living in Albany at a time, uh, going or doing a residency. It's okay. like a three and a half hour drive. So we go up there and then there's really fun driving roads up there. I took a rock climbing to upstate New York. Um, so fun roads up there. I just, you know, wherever I can take it, I take it. So what about those hidden roads, those roads that are, that you don't drive that fast, but they're, they're twisty, they're windy, they're, they, they just give you that feeling of the weight transfer of the 911. Are there any roads like that that you've been on that you, that you think, hey, I want to go on those roads again? Yeah, so the ones that are close, like Seven Lakes Drive is definitely one of my favorites because if you go there early in the morning, there's no one there. So not like you open it up crazy, but you can kind of feel the rhythm of the car as you're going around the turns and it's very twisty and you can go like a good four or five miles of just not seeing anyone and really kind of pushing the car. Fantastic. And not many, uh, not many police patrols. You can kind of enjoy it. I think they kind of know people go there for that and people are relatively <laughs> safe for the most part. So they don't really bother you too much. Fantastic. Fantastic. Hey, um, I'm just going to let everyone know your Instagram again. So go and follow Matt. Thank you. Anomaly Matt. That's how you say it, right? Anomaly Matt. Yes. What's Correct. the reasoning behind that, that Instagram name? Tell, tell the listeners. Is there a story behind <laughs> that? Because I'm sure there yeah, is. So I- <laughs> I used to own a skateboard and surfboard and snowboard company and it was called Anomaly. And oh, really? we spelled it, yeah, we spelled it like that because of course the, the definition means deviate from normalcy. Yeah, so yeah. I was like a younger kid. I was like 20 when I started the company. So I thought it was cool if I spelled it incorrectly. Oh, so what happened to that company? You just, it, it just time, time changed the market and you got out of it or? I had it, I started when I was like 19. I had it for about three years. Uh, I had like a bunch of kids surfing, skating, 
uh, I'd film videos and make videos and make clothes and make skateboards and stuff like that. It went on for about three or four years and then I kind of just kind of grew oh, out of it. Fantastic, fantastic. It was, fun, it was fun though. So let me just say that again. Instagram, it's at Anomaly Matt. Go and say hello to Matt. Tell him you heard his story on Owner Stories. Give him a follow. Have a look at his, uh, like I said, his great images. He's got his dog there. He's got his 911. Um, living the life, living the Porsche life. That's for sure, Matt. <laughs> Appreciate it, my friend. I think that's about it. What else? Is there anything else you'd like to share with the listeners before we go? No, it's just a pleasure getting to meet you and talk to you. I've always, I've always listened to your stories. It's always really cool just getting to see, hear other people's experiences, what they do with their car. Uh, and just talk to you. You do such a great job at what you do. So it's cool to get to uh, talk to you and experience it. Thanks, Matt. Much appreciated. And I, I, you know, I think it's great. I think it's great. I, I like owners like you because you really, you know, like, like you said, you, you don't drive your car that much during the week. It's in the garage, you know, but when you do drive your car, you really do enjoy it and drive it. You go on long drives, you put 20,000 miles in a year, which is a lot, you know, um, that's a lot of mileage in a year. A lot of people sort of hesitant to put too many miles on the 911. And you just enjoy it. And I think that's fantastic. And I think that's what, that's what the Porsche, that's what Porsche passion is all about. And I think, you know, you really do show it. And, and, you know, also with, you know, also with Lorenzo as well, who you're friends with, you know, Lorenzo is doing the same sort of thing and it's, it's, it's very, very cool. So thanks so much. Absolutely. But yeah, as I say, you get, you get the cars to drive them. That's what you want. You don't want to sit there and look them out of the garage. The, the more you drive them, I feel like the more they, 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 they hold up better. You don't want just to sit them in the garage that everything sits, you never use it. The more you use the car, I feel like the better it, everything gets with it. Exactly. And when I was, you know, when I came back to Sydney in November and I took my car over to Order House when I drove it over to get the service done, it felt terrible. It really did. <laughs> it was it was sad. Like, you know, when you get in the car and it's 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 not chugging, it's not like but it, it felt sad. You could hear it, it wasn't happy, you know, and then you get it fixed and then you you know, even now today, you know, I've I think I've driven two over two thousand kilometers, which is I don't know what that is in miles. I can't do the calculation in my head since I've been <laughs> back over 2,000 kilometers. And the car already feels better. You know what I mean? It already I'm feels sure. better. So the more mileage, like you said, the better it is. And they need to be driven. And I think you're, that's what you're doing and you're enjoying it. And it's a great car. Fantastic car. Carrera 2S 997. Thank you so much for being on Owner Stories, Matt. Much appreciated. Thank you for having me. All right, everyone. That's Matt coming in from New York, from the U.S., uh, he owns a car in New York, and he really does enjoy it. And it's his nine, uh, 2006 997 Carrera 2S in black um, with a lot more mods than I realized. He's got, it, he's got it really specced out, so that's fantastic. Thanks again, Matt. Thank you so much. All right, everyone. Thanks for listening to the Porsche Cool Podcast. Bye for now.